0: classic 1027 a feast for your ears and a very good evening to you and welcome to people of note on classic 1027 i'm richard cock and every sunday at this time from six to eight we talk to someone who's a person of note and listen to music of their choice my guest tonight may be familiar to you because she used to run a program here on classic called ballet bouquet her name is fiona budd and it's wonderful to welcome you back thank you so much richard And you've done all sorts of things since you used to do ballet bouquet on Classic 1027. Where have you been in the meantime?
1: Well, um, yes, since leaving South African Ballet Theatre, I've branched into the philanthropy world, and I've discovered there's a quite a link between the arts and philanthropy. I think they have a lot of similar key um, elements. Um, so I first was on the Vodacom Change the World program, which um, I was based at Sands and assisting with marketing and fundraising. And from there, I was with Charities Aid Foundation, Southern Africa, um, which is a part of a global alliance, which also is working around um, increasing philanthropy. And from there, I went to St. David's Marist Inanda, the school where I managed the foundation and raised funds for bursaries for underprivileged boys to attend the school.
0: Now, just going back on what you one of the things you mentioned was the Santon SPCA, which I think Dino is involved in, isn't he, or was involved?
1: Yes, he was involved, he was on the committee there. Yes,
0: because yes, for listeners, Dino uh has been a regular here on Classic 1027 for many years. And I think, wasn't he the chairman eventually too, I think, yes, of, of uh, Santon SPCA? I think so was. there's a strong link uh, with Classic 1027. Definitely. And do you find that in South Africa, philanthropy is quite big and generous?
1: It is, and I think what people underestimate about South Africa is how much informal giving and philanthropy is going on, because overseas they tend to measure things in terms of formal programs um, and foundations. But I think, and from my experience, South Africa's got one of the most giving communities in the world, Um, and Charities Charities Aid Foundation in the UK have just released their new giving report And they had put in place different um, metrics for measuring the South African giving space because they realized they hadn't been using the correct ones before. And South Africa is now way up
0: there. Well, because uh, when you think of it, there's sort of philanthropy almost at every parking place in South Africa. Definitely. And at every traffic light.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I guess all of that adds up over time.
1: It does. I mean, one of my favorite sayings, which kind of... I go by, as it was said by Theodore Roosevelt, and he said, do what you can where you are with what you have. And if each of us is doing that, that adds up to an incredible whole.
0: Yeah, it certainly does. Your first choice of music is from Samson and Delilah. It's a slightly different arrangement of Mon Coeur, which is the famous aria which Delilah sings to Samson. I think she it almost feels in this aria as though she really is in love with him, but she's about mm-hmm. to cut off his hair and betray him. <laughs> uh, this is a version, the music's by Camille Sanson. This is a version featuring Rocco de Villiers. Beautiful music by Camille Sanson, Mon Coeur from the uh, opera Samson and Delilah, and it featured Rocco de Villiers on piano. The choice of Fiona Budd, who's my guest in People of Note. Fiona, you also mentioned um, a sort of international network of philanthropy. Are we linked in? I mean, obviously you are, but are we in South Africa generally linked into that worldwide philanthropic community?
1: I think it depends where you're based. I think, you know, in the main centers, people are starting to become linked in there. Um, You know, the landscape changed a lot also because formerly there was a lot of aid, you could say, in philanthropy coming into South Africa. But as South Africa has has stabilised, and um, you know the overseas foundations have said no, well you know you're on your own feet now. Um, they've sort of pulled out a bit. So people, I think the, the the landscape here is is having to redefine itself and find ways of being more taking its standing in its own sort of power, you could say.
0: And and looking for philanthropy from South Africans rather than from abroad. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Because the big foundations like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Mellon Foundation, the Kellogg's, um, I guess over time have poured quite a lot of money into South Africa one way and another. They cert- and probably many other foundations as well.
1: Yes, they certainly have and, I mean, and, and also you know like USAID um, but they, you know, they're wishing to focus their attentions in other areas that are of more need. Yeah,
0: yeah and I noticed recently when uh, the, the um, floods happened in Mozambique that uh, Patrice Motserpe was very involved in giving money there. So mm. it's good that South African money is now being spread around Southern Africa as well.
1: Absolutely, the homegrown philanthropists. Yeah,
0: yes. yeah. because... To be fair, I think there are still a lot of wealthy people who can be philanthropic here in South Africa, and as you said earlier, they are.
1: Yes, and I think a lot of it is it's an evolution and an understanding. Um, I, I was fortunate to be able to go to lo- in last October to the International Fundraising Congress in Holland. Um, this is a, a incredible gathering of a thousand change makers from around the world once a year, and to be able to tap into something like that and. Actually, to realize how much commonality we have. It's just our um, experience, what we're working with is just, um, you know, it'll have the kind of tweaks according to where we're situated. But just to be in that kind of gathering with that number of people, very inspiring, very um, uh, re-energizing. Yes, and just makes you, yes, very
0: hopeful. Yeah, and even in countries which are apparently quite well-off there's still a lot of giving needed in order to help the people who need help.
1: Absolutely. I mean, a a country like the UK, which you think, you know, they've got their their state systems take care of people. I mean, homelessness is a big problem there. And growing. Yes.
0: Which is the most bizarre thing. Yes. Growing. uh, I've just been chatting this uh, over Christmas to some people who've been in England. Apparently, the homeless problem is really serious now. Yes, yeah.
1: and, I, and I, I mean I was there just for a few days because I managed the um, St. David's UK Trust, which is a tiny trust there, and, and you would just see it around on the streets, you know, things you maybe hadn't seen before.
0: We'll hear your next choice and then I want to hear about the St. David's community and I, I'm sure this is true of many schools around South Africa as their alumni move away from South Africa, as people do these days, the world is very open to people to move around, Hmm. how they keep in touch with the school and keep funds coming. But here's your next choice. This is The Lord of the Dance, The Famous Lord of the Dance by Ronan Hardiman. Uh, Michael Flatley, was it, who did all that Irish dancing? Has that sort of gone out of fashion now?
1: Um. A bit i think it may be a bit yeah it's still it's still popular but yes you don't see it before like you used to those uh, shows that travel yes i mean he started with river dance i think and then we and then there was lord of the dance um yes and then spirit of the dance was another one it was a sort of fashion it was a fashion but oh i love irish dancing i mean it's just (laughs) it's so like your feet just start going as soon as you hear that music
0: (laughs) where do the buds come from
1: the buds on my dad's side come from England yeah. and on my mom's side we were all well Zimbabwean yeah. but always had a, um, a strong arts uh, informal arts you could say um, talent I mean my grandfather was a very good pianist and organist and he was, um, the bishop wanted to send him up to London to train to be a cathedral organist. And his father said to him, get a real job. That's no career. Music's no
0: career for, a, you know. So how <laughs> so did you end up in ballet?
1: Fortunately, I had parents who kept the, the artistic streak going. I mean, my grand, my mum's my gran, my mum she used to be in pantomimes, the leading lady. And my mum and dad actually met in an amateur uh, musical showboat. In Bulawayo, so they, um, yes, well, well, I ended up in ballet by accident because I was, uh, I couldn't start school that year, and I was apparently driving everyone berserk because I had too much energy, was bouncing all over the place. So mom thought, like, what can she do with me to get rid of my energy? So sent me off to ballet. And that was it.
0: And that's it. Yes. And you were hooked. Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, I'd always been hooked on music first, interesting enough, but music yeah. I just loved. And then this was like the perfect combination. Perfect match. Perfect match, yeah. yes.
0: And then, obviously, eventually, you came down to South Africa yes. from Zimbabwe, Yes, yeah. yes. But there's uh, also quite a tradition of ballet, or there was, with John Cranko. I think he yes. was from Zimbabwe also, wasn't he? Or um, not, was he South I think African? he was South
1: African, but there were a lot of dancers from Zimbabwe who went mm. over, over to the UK and were very successful. I mean, Merle Park, and she became director of um, the Royal Ballet School. When I went to Royal Ballet School, she was director. My teacher, Dudley from Lagenberg. There were many dancers from, yeah, from the from So Zimbabwe somebody then.
0: was driving something in Zimbabwe. Yes, yeah.
1: yes. And, and South Africa as well. Yeah. South Africa's always had great, great talent. talent. Yes. Yeah.
0: So just let me go back to a moment uh, mm-hmm. to uh, St. David's alumni mm-hmm. who are now all around the world, I guess. Yes. Uh, do they keep in touch with the school and are they good supporters of the school?
1: They do keep in touch with the school. There is the St. David's All Boys Association and we, our alumni liaison lady works um, very hard with them, keeping them all connected and up to date on news. Um, I don't focus too much on them in terms of, you know, giving at the moment because we sort of feel we don't want them to feel like, oh, as soon as you're back in touch or you're in connected, somebody's like – yeah. Knocking on the door saying, you know, people must give because they want to or because they feel that they want to either give other boys what they had at the school or they want to contribute to building the future of the school. So, in terms of our engagement or my engagement with the alumni, it's quite, maybe you could say, subtle because it's more about the relationship. Yeah.
0: And just tell me about the program that you have at the school for people who can't, wouldn't normally be able to afford to be at the school, mm-hmm. do you have quite a lot of bursary students at the school?
1: We do. I mean, this, uh, we currently have 22 um, young men on bursaries, and then the school are supporting another sort of similar number. So, And we've just had five of our foundation bursary recipients matriculate, all did exceptionally well. Um, one, one of our young men was in the top, is in the top 20 at the school, so Fantastic. yes, they, they, oh. they're wonderful.
0: So Wonderful it's about, amount, let's man. say it's 44 yes. children out of a total of?
1: The college currently, because um, these bursaries are in the college, are on 700. Okay. So. Yes.
0: so it's about 5% maybe. Yes. And, and,
1: and our aim is to grow that. Yeah. I mean, ideally, we'd like to have five bursaries per, per oh, yeah. year. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Throughout the school.
0: Yeah. Because we do a fundraiser for uh, the Ruth First Foundation. Yes. And that, they have about 50 kids on full bursaries, I think, scholarships.
1: Kevin Tate is always very cheeky to point out. I've (laughs) been at the, I mean, the concerts are wonderful that you do with him. He's always very cheeky to point out that he can have fund five bursaries for one of ours. So, yes. It is, (laughs)
0: but I mean, it's hard work raising Mm. funds. It is, yes. Your next choice is perhaps more directly connected to your past. This is the (laughs) Grand Pas Classique by Aubert with the London Symphony Orchestra under Richard Bonning. That was the Grand Pas Classique by Aubert, the London Symphony Orchestra conducted by Richard Bonning. The choice of Fiona Budd, who's my guest in People of Note tonight. Now, Fiona, one of your other things that you do, uh, because you still keep up with with your dance and ballet, in one way or another, I do. Have you started dance classes at St David's? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have done a few. Yes. Oh, have you? Yes, with the boys, yeah. and it's been fantastic. I mean, yeah. I first of all started off the the um, coach of the first team basketball asked me if I could work with them because he believes it adds, you know, um, sort of to precision and coordination, and so I did. I did a few classes with them, and it was fantastic. I mean, they really like you know, it got involved.
0: Actually, if you watch basketball, there's a lot of leaping around and and jumping up and down and all the things that ballet dancers do. Yes, so we're showing them... It is very balletic, actually. Yes,
1: showing them how to use their plié so you can get a higher jump. Yeah. And then um, St. David's has a wonderful program. It's called the Elective Program, or Expanded Focus. And the idea is to expose the boys to things they ordinarily wouldn't come into contact with or try, or maybe, you know, they wouldn't even think about doing. And staff volunteer their skills in those various areas. So um, it's been things from uh, well, Mandarin, te- Mandarin to uh, bird watching, to cookery, to, um, to doing a b- like Krav Maga, which is a sort of a self defence, to ballet. Um, to ballet, ballroom dancing. So yeah. so I've, I have taught the ballet elective before, and I love watching the boys because at first, well, they sign up as well. They yeah. do one per term and you know at first they'll be a bit sort of self-conscious whatever but they've chosen to do it and then you just see that it somehow it captures something there I think the the mechanics of it really interest them and it captures their attention in that way that they think wow it looks easy but how do you make this all fit together how do you make it all work and then something else I've been showing them is like how if you're doing a a, like in rugby if you're doing the, the line out working with each other to get their, li- yeah, their, lifts their lifts even yeah. higher in the line-out. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you can relate it to many sports, actually. Definitely, yeah. yes. Yes. That's fascinating. And I'm I'm amazed also, perhaps, that so many sign up for these things because yeah, I suppose if you word it carefully, you know, yes. come and learn how to jump higher in the line-out. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes and i mean, I've, I've had yeah i had when I did it I had about twenty one boys each time yeah. signing up yes and they were from mainly from sports but also from the you know the but what what's great about St David's is that sports and the cultural side is equally emphasized and um profile.
0: And do you have a good music program at the school too? Yes,
1: fantastic, um, very strong cultural department, the chamber choir, um, a, a jazz band, um, a lot of boys, what's in, uh, lovely, I've noticed, especially the last year, you know, playing more, you could say, traditional instruments like violin, um, trumpets, yes, a- along with saxophone. So and it's growing all It's the definitely time. growing, yes.
0: That's wonderful. And of course, it has good academic record as well. Yes, very, yeah. very
1: strong, yeah.
0: yes. And a beautiful campus, if I may say so. It is. I mean,
1: you can't believe that's practically in the middle of Santon. Yeah, I guess
0: when it first went there, it was probably in the countryside. It
1: was. It was out in the fields. (laughs) And, yeah, so, um, and Mike Till, the executive headmaster, what he says is, you know, for the school going forward is planning that they will be an inner city school one day because that's how it is with all the development that's going up around it.
0: Yeah, especially around Sandton. I mean, every time (laughs) you go to Santon, there's a new building virtually. (laughs) Exactly. No, it's incredible. (laughs) I'm talking to Fiona Budd, who is in charge of the foundation. What is it called, actually?
1: St. David's Marist Foundation.
0: There you go. And that's at St. David's here in Inanda in Johannesburg. But she also used to run a program here on Classic 1027 called Ballet Bouquet. And she's a former dancer. But not only that, you were also in the management of South African Ballet Theatre. And we'll hear about that after we've heard something from Tchaikovsky. This is from Swan Lake. That was the finale of Act One of Swan Lake by Tchaikovsky, played by the Philharmonia Orchestra under John Lansbury, the choice of Fiona Budd, who's my guest in People of Note. And welcome back to People of Note. I'm Richard Cock, and this program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8. Tonight I'm talking to Fiona Budd, who comes from the ballet world but is now in the philanthropy field. But in between that, once you'd uh, done your dancing, you actually went into the management of ballet with South African Ballet Theatre.
1: Yes, well, six of us founded the company in two thousand and one, and that was a real. you could say baptism by fire. All we knew is that ballet could could not die, it had to carry on i mean um packs everything had been um, had closed there um so we literally jumped in the deep end um yes, learnt on the hoof yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um Yes, so it was about in two thousand and six. Um, I took over on the uh, on the full management side. I just it felt it, it was too difficult trying to do both, trying to keep up a full b- ballet career and the management side, and especially when you're trying to find uh, find funds. And it, yeah, yeah, it was a big.
0: But but it's interesting how one develops these skills when you have to.
1: Absolutely and I think it's the best way to learn. Yeah. I mean I yeah I, I, so it's so valuable what I've learned.
0: Yeah. And also I mean it's now that you're in a different job you can also use those skills to teach other people how to develop their own skills in fields which maybe they didn't realize they had. We're interested.
1: Definitely, and I love doing that. I love helping people wherever I can in that way because um, I, I really dislike the f- thought of anyone having to reinvent the wheel. I feel if I've been through it and I know I can give you some pointers, I'd rather that you don't have to go and do that and trip and whatever, rather that you can go on to the next point and get things happening quicker.
0: And this meeting, there were a thousand people are there lots of people like you who've ended up doing this when they were doing something else?
1: There are, actually. Um, and what's interesting, I was in one session where, you know, they uh, they asked me what I, you know, where, what I done. I said, well, yes, I'm a pre- former ballet dancer. And they said that there's actually a high um, uh, prevalence of former ballet dancers in the fundraising sector. So I'm not quite sure. Well, what, uh, oh,
0: yeah. that's it's an interesting point because... Ballet dancers' careers are not actually so long. Mm. And this is maybe something our listeners don't realize is when you're a ballet dancer, how long from when you st- when do you start going on the stage when you're about 16 or 17, 18?
1: With a professional company. Yes. or with yes. I um, said so generally when I probably be about 18. 18. Yes.
0: But then by in your 30s, your career is coming near the end.
1: Definitely, and yeah. and also, and, and that's if you've been fortunate, you haven't had a major injury that's kind yeah. of put you out. So yes. So
0: and injury is a big thing in ballet.
1: It is a big thing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and yes, I mean our, the retirement age of a ballet dancer. Well, you, uh, in France at the moment, the Paris Opera ballet dancers are on strike. They've they've. Um, Thrown down their tutus. Oh, because, because of the retirement, retirement age. age yeah. Because there's a, um, it, it's been in place since Louis the Sun King, um, 350 years that they could retire when they got to 42, which is quite an age. But then they'd be taken care of. But yes. you know, you kind of need that. You've given your whole life to this art form, and you pretty much haven't had time to develop anything else. So, so, so what they're saying is either, well, keep it in place, but also have some kind of dancers resettlement scheme where they can retrain in something else.
0: Like yeah. philanthropy.
1: Well, exactly. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> if if they haven't learnt it on the hoof, along yeah. the way. So
0: they were they going to be subject to the sixty four or sixty six or whatever it was. Yeah, too? I'm not sure if it's, it was
1: that or it was just going to be yeah. done away with. Yeah, you yeah, leave yeah. and that's it. Yeah, yeah. So imagine a sixty year old dancer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Although there but are parts for older people in ballet, always they yeah. definitely
1: are, and that's what I mean. That's what I also love doing is, is doing some of the more the character and acting roles. Carabos. Yes, yes, I love Carabas and, yeah. and Lady Capulet and Romeo yeah. and Juliet. So, yes.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, so for listeners, uh, it is a short shelf life as a ballet dancer because of injury and just the sheer physicality of it. Uh, you just can't keep it up no. for all that long. Mm. And one of your favorite pieces, you mentioned this earlier, was Glowworm Idyll by yes. Paul Linker. And uh, Don McRobert, who was chairman of your ballet... Um,
1: the Board. The Board. Yes.
0: Uh, it's one of his favourites too. So if you're listening, Don, then <laughs> this is for you and for Fiona. Glowworm Idle. <coughs> that was the Glowworm Idle by Paul Linker, played by the New London Orchestra under Ronald Corp. Is that something that's danced also?
1: Well, I choreographed a piece to it for South African Ballet Theatre. So... So, yes, but Anna, it was actually a piece that Anna Pavlova first danced to, I think. So I think she was quite well known for performing to yeah. that, yes.
0: So that's another of your skills, is choreography.
1: Mm. Well, I've always, with music, I've always seen steps. As soon as I hear a piece of music, I straight away see steps or a full ballet. Um, so, And I still remember dances from uh, age of five, because I hear the music and I can just see the steps. Yeah. They just, they sort of meld it. So.
0: And just give us a brief... Uh, insight, if you can, into the state of ballet now in South Africa. Basically, Jo'burg and Cape Town are the two centres, are they?
1: Yes, they're still where the two ballet companies are. I mean, I think, you know, everyone continues to sort of plough on. Um, It's just, you know, there's so many factors that come into it. I mean, the sort of, you know, the current economy, the the you know the need to focus on you know important areas of well I mean the arts are just as important as any other area they have to be focused on but it's not always recognised so I think both companies you know they're doing the best that they can in but in it's the not current. easy it's not easy at all and I mean funding wise what you, what's required just to put a production on stage and ticket sales never cover. the the full costs of putting on a production. So you have to find, it's generally two thirds uh, of, uh, so a ticket, uh, one third uh, of the ticket covers your costs and the other two thirds you have to find.
0: Yeah, But are young people, young girls and boys still going for ballet classes when they, you know, is it still the same number of people going in at the beginning?
1: Yes, there's definitely, that is still strong. And um, I'm I'm fortunate to get asked to adjudicate the the Nationalized Sedford Academy um, you, on an annual basis and and you see how the well the ballet and the dance talents is coming up, so there 's still a very strong interest
0: and it 's good still yes it yeah. is
1: and, and yes strong dance yeah. is coming through so it it 's so important to have somewhere that they can go to and where they don 't have to go overseas that yeah. they can stay here because
0: it is also true in the music world I mean the youth orchestras are better than they 've ever been, mm-hmm. and as you were saying at school level, there are an unbelievable number of good uh music students in schools yes um so amateur music making is strong yes. in south africa yes um but it's not so easy to be an amateur ballet dancer that's the problem it is it's no. not easy at you all. you have to have a company you to d- be able to do it you do yeah.
1: it's very difficult uh, yeah you have to have the four. i mean there's so much well, I suppose an opera singer, perhaps you slightly easier so that you can stand so somewhere and yeah. sing, but yeah, yeah, you can't do a full opera without a full company. Yeah, no.
0: yeah. Were you a a pianist yourself, or what did you play as a musical instrument when you were young? Um,
1: I always wanted to play piano, but I didn't get a. I was too, it was either b- ballet or piano type okay. thing. But then when I went to Royal Ballet School, my granddad said to me, he'd um, you know he'd fund me going for lessons. So I did go for some piano lessons whilst I was there. But I've always I still It's never too late. I'm still going to get back there to the piano. Go. Yes,
0: because I noticed your next choice is mm. music for the piano by Frederic Chopin. This is the etude in A-flat major, and I mean, this is, it's interesting what Chopin did because studies, and an etude is just a study basically, uh, were incredibly boring, uh, sort of repetitive exercises, but Chopin turned them into sort of musical poetry. Mm. And this is the etude in A-flat major called the Aeolian Harp. The pianist is Valentina Lisitza. That was the etude in A-flat major. The Aeolian Harp by Frederick Chopin, part of one of his set of studies, Opus 25, that was. Valentina Lisitsa was the pianist. And I see, Fiona, that your final choice for this hour is by the great Johann Sebastian Bach. Yes. Uh, and I'm sure you've danced to his music, because any music can be danced to, really, can't it? Yes, definitely. As long as yes. it's got a, a good pulse and a rhythm.
1: Yes, or even if you, well, Stravinsky, we danced to Stravinsky, and that's Which very interesting. Wild. Yes, yeah. and very interesting to, well, with Pact, they used to count out everything, um, and that was very interesting to count. So it would be, okay, so it's a 12, a 4, a 7, a 3. And like my oh, goodness, I'm yeah, just going to listen for like little yeah. highlights in the music.
0: <laughs> well, this is very stately in a way. Sheep may safely graze. Now, this is the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. And I love this piece because the uh, legend has it that this piece was written for the funeral of the local butcher so that the sheep could (laughs) graze safely forever after this. (laughs) It's by Johann Sebastian Bach. Sheep may safely graze by Johann Sebastian Bach, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir conducted by Eugene Ormandy. You're listening to People of Note on Classic 1027. We're going to take a short break now. It's just about seven o'clock and we'll be back after this. Welcome back to People of Note on Classic 1027. It's just gone seven o'clock. I'm Richard Cock, and as always on a Sunday evening, we have People of Note from six to eight. My guest tonight is Fiona Budd, who is uh, a former ballet dancer and a former broadcaster here on Classic 1027. She had a program called Ballet Bouquet, and she now runs the St. David's Marist Foundation, raising funds for people who couldn't otherwise afford to go to St. David's School. But she's doing much more than that, of course. And one of the things that you're doing, I guess, on your own account now, is hugging trees. <laughs> uh, and trees have been sort of in the news because of all the fires in Australia. It's unbelievable to see those pictures of huge forests just being eaten up by fire.
1: No, it's just terrible. And I mean, was the Amazon before yeah. that, yes. Yeah
0: but you're doing something else with trees. Tell us about that.
1: Yes, it's something that I started sort of um, last year. Um, It's called Tree Bar, and bar as in, not the wine bar type, the the ballet bar, yes. (laughs) And I just thought, you know, I love trees and- And you love ballet. And I love ballet. And I love being outdoors as well. And we so often we don't get much time to connect with nature, especially living in if we're living in the city. So it just sort of came to me that if you, whatever you use the tree as your bar, your ballet bar and your partner. So I've started putting together this this sort of class based on that. And we've been doing it um, sort of on a Sunday morning at Emerentia Botanical Gardens and also out at um, the Woodland Spa and Drift. And it's just a lovely sort of, it's very, um, it's a mixture of, you know, you do, you, it's exercise, but you're also sort of connecting with nature. Um, and, you know, the pe- people who've come along to do the class say they, they just find it very, they feel very relaxed afterwards. So you really do hug a tree? You do hug a tree. That is part of it.
0: <laughs> you connect with nature.
1: Connect with nature, oh. yes. So, so I've got a group on Facebook which people can join if they want to. It's called Tree, tree Bar or Tree Ballet Bar. Okay, and just
0: just give us those details. Tree? Yeah.
1: Tree Ballet Bar. So it's all one word.
0: All one word. And yes. it's B-A-R-R-E. R-E,
1: yes, and uh, and Joburg. So it's currently it's in yeah. Joburg that we're doing this.
0: Well, there you are. It's another career for you in the future. <laughs> yes. Uh, and that bar, under normal circumstances, B-A-R-R-E, is the rail that you have in your rehearsal room at ballet. Yes, right? it's
1: the wooden or metal rail that you have oh. against the wall. That you, st- I mean, every ballet dancer starts off the class, whether you're a beginner or a professional, at the bar doing the warm-up exercises and building towards what you're going to do in the center. And it's also to teach you to, to work with a partner in a way. So that's why you're often being told not to hang on the bar because you can't be hanging on your partner well, as a girl. Yeah, for, for the guys, it's different. Well, they except you can. You do get things where there's two guys doing a, sort of like a putter do de together. So it's all part of the training.
0: Yeah. So uh, you think this is going to take off now? Well, it sounds as though it is already.
1: Yes, I hope so. I yeah. think that I just really want people to experience kind of the joy of the joy of ballet and the joy of nature. And I mean, a, a tree is a very stable partner; they won't just run off and leave you. So <laughs> and this is,
0: and it's obviously something that that interests you, and mm-hmm. it combines various different sort of categories of things. Yes. So it's a fun way to keep fit as well. It
1: is, and we've had um, um, some people bring along the, the young ones as well, little ones. So a young boy of five, he's come along, and he, he said to me, he, he said his day was so much better
0: after it. There we go. Fantastic. And so it's variations on a theme, really, of the bar, B-A-R-R-E, <laughs> and we're going to have something of that now. This is variations on a theme by Haydn. It's one of the variations. By Johannes Brahms with the Budapest Festival Orchestra. That was music by Johannes Brahms, part of the Variations on a Theme by Haydn. The Budapest Festival Orchestra under Ivan Fischer, the choice of Fiona Budd, who's my guest in People of Note, and we were talking about her uh, Tree Ballet Bar. That's the website that you can go to Tree Ballet Bar, or is it the Facebook it's site? It's the Facebook, Facebook, Facebook group, site. Yes. Ballet Bar. And if you want to join that then just go to the Facebook site and sign up or whatever yes, you do.
1: Yes yeah. and I will keep everyone posted there. There you go.
0: So that could be quite exciting. <laughs> but obviously that's just uh, a sort of hobby for you because mm-hmm. your main job is at St. David's and you've been there how long now?
1: I've just had my fifth birthday. Yes. but you're enjoying mm. it I am yes yeah. I mean it's a wonderful school um, very yeah special ethos and and, and the young men that there they they really are sort of fully rounded citizens you know very involved in not just introspectively sort of extra especially with the world and um another thing that I really enjoy uh, as, as being foundation manager is that we have a group of, well, it's, it's quite a big group now, of foundation managers of other private and government schools. We, we're trying to connect with, in with as many as possible, and we, we meet once a term just to sort of share um, sort of ideas, uh, give each other a bit of moral support. And it's wonderful to hear what's going on in all the schools and the spaces. I think people don't realize how much um, is being done uh, in, in the philanthropic space and and to build the country as a whole.
0: Well, and it's wonderful to hear that South Africans are as generous as they are. Yes, they definitely. Are. That's really fantastic. Mm. And I think we know that we uh, South Africans have big hearts. And Ubuntu. The, yes. And Ubuntu. All of us, <laughs> well, which is not what the uh, people had in the Hall of the Mountain King. <laughs> this is from the Pierre Gintz suite and Pierre Gint was a sort of humorous character ended up in this cave in the mountains and they were wanting to get rid of him because he'd ravished the king's daughter, I think, or attempted to. So that's what's happening in this next piece, The Hall of the Mountain King by Edward Grieg. That was the five Browns playing the Hall of the Mountain King from Pierre Suite by Edward Grieg and that's a slightly different version from the orchestral version that you often hear. And this crossover, it's quite interesting what's happened, just to go back to ballet for a moment, because ballet has also developed a sort of crossover thing. We have Queen at the ballet or these various, I don't know what you call them, crossover things that that have happened in ballet.
1: Yes, um, I think it's, yes, it's kind of, you know, blending sort of with popular culture. I mean, I know a few years ago, I think it was the Royal Danish Ballet. They did a James Bond ballet, apparently, but it didn't really take off. (laughs) 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 Maybe because they didn't have Daniel Craig. I don't know why. Um, Yes, and I think as well with, you know, with social media and with online um, streaming, all these things, it's, It really created a different and new way of presenting ballet, a new platform. And I think uh,
0: the arts are having to adapt quite a lot these days to the new reality of society. People are not uh, reacting in the same way to the arts as they used to. Mm. And of course there's so much online stuff now that people don't have to go out to concerts and to ballet and to theatre. That's a real challenge for the arts world.
1: It's a huge challenge because basically any other form of it doesn't even have to be entertainment, but it is your, your um, what's the word, your rival. Um, but I just think, I, I honestly think there's going to be a sort of a turnaround where people are going to realise that there's nothing to beat a live performance, whether it's orchestra, ballet, it's nothing to, it's a once-off experience that you won't have by watching something online over, over, and, over and over again. again yeah.
0: And I keep saying on this programme, you know, keep music alive and let it thrive. Mm. It's not just keeping it alive, it's letting it thrive. Uh, because uh, live music and live ballet and live theater and all these things are very, very special. And you can't, as you say, you can't just recreate them. They're once off experiences. Yes. And. Incredibly emotional. Exactly. Yeah. That's
1: what I was. I was going to say is that it, it's sort of the the interaction that the audience has with that performance. You're not going to get from watching a screen or listening um, yes, to something yeah. where you're not seeing what's happening. And when uh, I always used to see our ballet performances as a kind of a, as well as it being an art form, a kind of a therapy and a healing. I would feel you know somebody could come maybe having a terrible day. They'd come and sit in the theatre and for two hours they can be transported to another world. Um, either way, they can forget what they're going through or maybe it almost helps them work through what they're going for because they're seeing it depicted in a um, you know a different way before them so I think it's, there's no nice thing to replace live performance.
0: When you were a ballet performer did you feel this interaction with the audience too?
1: Definitely, yeah. I, I, that's what I loved you could feel the energy of the audience and what was so interesting was you'd know there were a thousand people in the audience, but it didn't feel like a thousand individuals. There was a definite energy each night, and it would be different according to, and it's very interesting, this collective energy that would change every night. And some nights the audience would be so quiet, and you'd think, oh, goodness, they're hating it, we must be so bad, and get to the end, and they'd go wild. Yeah. And other nights they'd be very responsive.
0: I, I think, actually, and I've said this before on air, that there's, a subject of a thesis in this, a doctoral thesis about audience reaction Mm. to things and how the performers on stage feed off that energy. I think it's really important. It
1: is, and it's something I miss hugely with not being on stage.
0: And your next choice is uh, Romeo and Juliet by Prokofiev. And this is a different type of ballet, also very athletic, Mm. uh, vibrant, and, and not sort of traditional ballet. Mm. Um, have you done it ever?
1: Um, Well I've I've danced, I've done a lot of roles, I haven't danced Juliet, I mean that would would have been an incredible role to do, Um, uh, but I performed Lady Capulet, which she, that's an amazing role to do, very intense you go through all sorts of emotions, it's a very dramatic scene when Tybalt is killed Um, and what's interesting about I mean Prokofi's music is incredible to dance to, but when it was first presented to the dancers, I think it was of the Bolshoi they rebelled and said it was undanceable to and refused to So so I think he reworked it a little bit, but not much. But But it
0: really has lasted well. Mm, And it's very popular. We're going to hear the Dance of the Knights, the Montagues and Capulets. This is from Romeo and Juliet by Sergei Prokofiev. Music by Sergei Prokofiev from Romeo and Juliet. That was the Dance of the Knights. And it was played by the Boston Symphony Orchestra under Seiji Ozawa. It's the choice of Fiona Budd, who's my guest in People of Note. And she works at St. David's Marist Foundation, where she is the, are you the manager, director? Foundation manager. Foundation manager. Yes. And uh, you've went, were you one of the speakers at this conference that you went to in about philanthropy?
1: I wasn't because this was my first time attending, so um, I was what's called a session leader. There were 20 of us from around the world, so we kind of were the sort of hosts of the rooms, you could say, so we attended the conference sort of in full, but we were kind of liaisons with the speakers as well, so that was a great opportunity as well to have that direct contact with with the speakers.
0: I'd be interested to know what the sort of worldwide budget of philanthropy is. It must be absolutely gigantic.
1: I think so. I think into the trillions of yeah. dollars. Isn't, I'm that, sure. isn't that amazing? It is. It's
0: that people just give away millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yes. And billions. And billions. I sound like Donald <laughs> Trump. Yeah. Billions and billions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's across, you know, it's across all sort of countries. Yeah. And, and uh, across
0: all disciplines. Yes. So some of it's for education, for mm. sport, for feeding health i mean if you think of the world health program just the the um the world food program yes i mean is billions of dollars just to keep people alive
1: yes and research into medical conditions
0: yeah and the the Bill and melinda gates with mm. the they malaria. they help uh, yeah malaria mm-hmm. and they've that's been so successful now it's almost Eradicate in some places. Yeah, and that's incredible.
1: And that's the whole point. If you can do that, you can eradicate something that's caused a lot of people misery and death. That's incredible. Yeah,
0: quite amazing. So it's a real privilege to work in that field. It is. Um, And you realize how generous people are.
1: Yes. And also, it's very interesting to see how. People are kind of adapting to, because uh, I mean, I think the environment is huge now that you can see how more and more, you know, at first people were thinking, oh, it's just uh, it's, you know, just one of many causes, but realizing how important it is to be doing something now about environmental yeah. issues.
0: And can you imagine uh, with the fires, I mean, we were talking about tree hugging earlier, mm-hmm. but the fires in Australia, I was just listening uh, a couple of nights ago, there's something like half a billion animals have been destroyed by this it's just, yes. i mean the numbers are just incredible yes. and can you imagine all that rehabilitation and people whose houses have gone there i mean the number of people dying is mm. growing all the time too yes. Yes. so there's going to be a huge need for philanthropy there too i'm sure because it's not everyone says you know the government must do it but they can't do it all
1: Yes, and I think that's where it's—it's it's, you know people who sort of s- stand up and step up at times like this can do a lot of good as mm. well. And uh, I see Chris Hemsworth has donated a, m- um, a million dollars towards you know rehabilitation, towards a rehabilitation yeah. and. Yeah. Hopefully, that will inspire a lot of people to follow his example. But also, I think that people must realize that you don't have to be doing huge things to make a difference. Um, When I was was, um, in the UK in October last year, as we were driving to London in my Uber, um, the uh, classic FM, the British one, was on the radio. And they were doing a, um, a campaign that day where they were asking people to donate just one or two pounds. Towards um, towards charity, and they'd already raised a million pounds. So yeah, you know, that's what it can do for a, a collective.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't have to be money only; Mm-mm. it can be time, yes. talents, yes, uh, love. Yes, you know, just yeah. sharing the love,
1: giving someone else just a, a hand in a time of need. Yes, yeah. exactly, or hugging a tree.
0: Yeah, that's what we need. Now here comes a famous tarantelle by Louis Moreau Gottschalk. And it's played on two pianos by Michael Lindvill and Sakiki Ohashi. It's called Celebre Tarantelle. That was the celebrated Tarantella by Louis Moreau Gottschalk, Michael Lindvill and Sakiko Ohashi playing there. And there was something, the Tarantella was supposed to. Uh, work that if you danced the tarantella you could get rid of the spider's poison. Yes, I think. yes. Was there anything in ballet ever to do with that?
1: What, being bitten by a spider? Yes, or? Um,
0: no. Um, I'm just wondering where that Thing came from about dancing the tarantella to get rid of the poison.
1: Yes, I'm not sure if it was from Italy, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, and um, I don't know if the tarantula and the tar- that's the I'm sure tarantula. I'm the tarantula. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think it was. It maybe came more from a, it was a, like a,
0: a folk legend of dance a, folk, and a legend, yeah. yes. But it's always hectically busy. Yes, the tarantella.
1: well, it is. I I love it. I mean, again, that's another one where your features can't stop when you when you hear yeah. that. The, the Baya deer. She gets bitten by a snake. The temple dancer. But I'm am trying to think. I can't think of any spiders. Yeah.
0: And of course, Sleeping Beauty. I mean, was she was pricked oh, by a, a spindle. A spindle. Yes. yes. So there are all these fantastic stories in ballet. <laughs> I think that's one of the great things. Storytelling. Mm-hmm. Ballet is about storytelling yeah. essentially, and. In Africa, we love storytelling. And of course, dance is a big thing in Africa. Not, mm-hmm. I'm not thinking ballet per se, mm-hmm. but dance is big in Africa. And we've got some fantastic dancers from here mm-hmm. um, going all over the world now. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I mean, dance, storytelling, music is the earliest form of human sort of engagement and communication. Yeah. It's right, been there right from the start. That's what people did. Yeah.
0: yeah around the fire around the fire exactly yeah, yes yeah. and of course uh, that's very deeply embedded in in south well in africa mm. i think mm. uh, storytelling dance music it's all part of life yes and, and must remain so
1: yeah. Yeah, i mean i love san rock art painting the yeah. depictions there of 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 dance
0: yeah mm. and tell me about Chopinata.
1: Oh your next choice yes well i love, I love Chopin Chopin, and um, this he has a lot of the pieces that are part of um, it, it, the ballet La Feed which was um, chopin 's music um, and I love that ballet, and I've, I got it on to dance the principal lady in that ballet, and it's it's just such a beautiful arrangement it 's got this sort of almost slightly jazzy feel to it, and again it 's just some, a piece that gets my feet moving
0: and the pianist here is Alexandre Tarot. That was Chopinata by Clement Doucet, played by Alexandre Tarot. You're listening to People of Note on Classic 1027. My guest is Fiona Budd. That was the Symphony Orchestra of the Balshoi Theater of Russia under Alexander Lazarev performing music from The Sleeping Beauty by Tchaikovsky. Fiona Fiona Budd is my guest in People of Note. Um, You must have danced lots of Russian music Mm -hmm. in your time. I mean, I think of Prokofiev, Tchaikovsky, Minkus, there are lots of them, Glier. Glazunov. Um, Glazunov. Yeah. Uh, because they had such a strong tradition in Russia of ballet, which they got, I guess, from France originally. Yes. Because France was the origin of all these th- great ballet traditions. Um, do you have some favorite music in uh, your own Experience I mean do you, is there something that you really liked dancing
1: um, it's interesting because it's almost like every ballet we did then sort of was my favorite yeah um, Giselle incredible Adolf Adam yeah um, you you could just yeah you know, and Tchaikovsky, I think an absolute genius yeah um, to do Swan Lake uh, and to be dancing it with a full orchestra. It's
0: something special. It's
1: something so special. And especially, I, you know, I still have these, you know, you get towards the end of Swan Lake, if you've danced four acts, you, you're exhausted, but this music's just carrying you. You're almost going to... Like a trance. A trance, you yeah. do. And it's just incredible. You can't sort of capture that almost in an everyday life situation. Yeah. So, um, And then Minkus as well. I mean, very, very dancey music, things like his Don Quixote yeah. I mean, um, and La Bayadère as well. So, so it's hard to say what a favourite would be, but yeah. um, but Tchaikovsky to me is in a almost in a class, yeah, a class of, his of his own. own. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, and your your next choice is by Shostakovich, another Russian. Mm-hmm. This is one of his jazz waltzes. That was a waltz by Dmitri Shostakovich. The choice of Fiona Budd, and we've just got about a minute now, Fiona Budd, to wrap up. And I just want to say thank you for coming on the program, talking about what it is that you do now and the importance of philanthropy in all our lives. And it doesn't have to be big, dear listeners. It can be something small you do, uh, you know, on a to a parking attendant or someone at a traffic light or just giving someone a hug. Just give something of yourself away. I think that's what it's all about, really.
1: Absolutely, and it could be something that you're doing already, perhaps, that you just add on to, you know, like we have a have team some Davids who ride the cycle challenge in support of a bursary fund, Yeah, so it's something yeah. that you're doing already.
0: So there you are. Just give something to somebody of yourself, and I think that's really important in society as a whole, that we give to each other. And your final choice, Fiona is uh, featuring someone that you know well.
1: Yes, um, Charles Duplessis, who in our early days of SABT, when we were starting out, he would be one of our class pianists. So I mean, how lucky were we to have Charles playing for us and dancing to his music? I mean, class was a breeze when you had that kind of <laughs> that kind of performance happening
0: on the. And this is one of Charles' reworkings of Bach. Beast to do by Mir, and it features him with Werner Spies and Hicho Radain. And we're going to finish with that. So thank you for listening. Thank you to Fiona for coming in, and thank you to Mataba Tabachadebe, who's helped us put this program together. We hope you have a great week ahead, and thanks for listening to People of Note. And from all of us here at Classic 1027, we wish you a very good night.